Welcome to Boys of Summer. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined tonight by Eric Braun and Gene Gums. And Gene just informed us that we have more listeners than we thought. Go figure. I guess Gene's been paying off his listeners at sportscountry.net, the wonderful radio program that you hear every morning, like I do at work. Uh, Gene, how many people do you think listen to you in the morning on your radio show? Well, it, it depends. On some mornings, I, I get, I'll get two or 3,000 people. Boom. Um, it depends on the day. Well, you know, it wasn't that big. You know, the thing I did, I actually went, I started going on Facebook. And believe it or not, that's actually driven more people to my radio station because they go to Facebook and they say, oh, Jesus, I can't look at that in the morning. So they, <laughs> they like to listen. So they go over to the radio side. But we 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 uh, sometimes I get, you know, two, three thousand in the morning. But we had about 500 people listen to us the last time that we aired this program. So I was pretty excited about that. So are you nice. saying it's a good or bad thing that this is not a podcast a video podcast. Oh, it's a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, well, you know what? No, you two sexy guys would look great, but nobody yeah. wants to look at me. <laughs> wow, I, that made me feel a little weird there, but that's okay. <laughs> any that's good for. any good locker room has those weird moments, you know what I'm saying? So we're boys of summer. We like to talk baseball, and like it or not, baseball is happening, and I say it or not because it's weird. I've really missed going and sitting in the stands and just relaxing and looking whatever I want to look at, drinking a beer, having a hot dog, complaining about somebody who's wearing their stirrups too high. You know what I'm talking about. But we still have baseball. It's on TV. And so these guys, are. we're going to talk about the trade deadline today happening. But um, guys, do you remember a guy named Stephen Miller who did really weird jokes? I do not. No. You're on your own. Okay, so here's one of his jokes. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I saw a giant mouse, so I tried to kill it with my baseball bat, but now I have a lifetime ban from Disneyland. Okay, we'll edit that one out a little bit later. (laughs) All right, today in baseball history, why don't we go quickly. In 1909, the A.J. Reach Company got the patent for a cork-centered baseball. Can you tell me what was the center of the baseball before that, Gene? No. No. I feathers i don't know feathers that's golf man i have no idea eric any guess rubber you are right a hard rubber cord baseball that's what they used before 1909 and we'll ask ernest watts about that in my other podcast when i do my ernest was probably around when they were (laughs) (laughs) yes uh here's the next baseball history for today in 1950 Brooklyn's Gil Hodges tied a major league record by hitting four home runs against the Boston Braves in the Dodgers' 19-3 route. He also added a single, and guess how many total bases he had in that day? It's under 20. Well, I mean, uh, what what did he go? He had four he had home a... runs against the Boston Braves. He had he... 17 total bases in one yeah, he game. Had four, he had four home runs in a single? Yep. Have a day. That is a day. That's... And then I know you guys like Sandy Koufax. In 1959 on this day, he breaks Dizzy Dean's National League mark and ties Bob Feller's Major League route of 18 strikeouts in a game against the Giants as 82,000 people watched out in Los Angeles. That record's been broken by two players. Can you name either one of these great pitchers? Yeah, Roger Clemens and Max Scherzer. (laughs) And Kerry Wood. And Kerry Wood, so three, three of them. Yeah, 33 like strikeouts over two games. Yep. 
82,000. Where'd they play that? That has to be out in the Los Rose Angeles. Ball? No, in the Coliseum, that, I think. No, the, the, LA Coliseum doesn't hold 82,000 people. We'll have to do more research, think, folks. We're going to have to look that one up. I don't think that's that's a lot of folks. That's a foot that's a football that's a football crowd. <laughs> this is based on baseballhistory.com, so they have to be right. It's on the My, internet. Yeah, well, no, I'm sure that I, I don't doubt that he did that. My guess is though if it was 82,000 people, my guess is they played that somewhere other than Dodger Stadium. Well, let's see who is it? He doesn't even say, "Oh, it's against the Giants." So I'm trying to think Candlestick didn't hold that much. No, heck no. So we'll have to look that up, folks. And the last one on this day in baseball history, I feel like, uh, what was his name, Mal Allen? This day in Major League Baseball. 1990, my favorite one is that Ken Griffey's, both junior and senior, played the first game, father-son combination in Major League history. And they both go one for four, and Seattle's win over Eric's famous team, the Royals. Yeah, they had back-to-back singles, as a matter of fact. It was in the same inning they got their hits. Ken Griffey Sr. got up first, got a single, and then his son followed with one. Yeah, I actually it, saw the I saw the highlight this morning actually on uh, Major League on the Major League Baseball Network. It's pretty cool. And it took two Ken Griffey Juniors to equal one Ken Griffey Senior back then because Junior was very thin. <laughs> Small boy. <laughs> Did, didn't uh, didn't they once homer both homer in a game as well? I think they did. So, I think they right. I think they homered in the same game at one point too. So sweet. I mean, that's like every guy's dream that you could play with your kid. And well, like you know, that. I played I played slow pitch softball with my dad. Not major league baseball. There's a big difference, but uh, it was it was fun when I got out of college. My dad was in his late forties, and we had a slow pitch softball team, and he was our pitcher. Nice. And we won and we won the league championship. And that was, I mean, that's it, it's one of those things. We talked about that for years. And I did play um, softball with my son, as Eric knows, and that was did fun you? too. All right, so today the most famous birthday for baseball history is Frank Robinson. He was born in 1935 on this day. And once again, when you look at all stats, we did some of these shows in the off season about some of our best favorite players you know, of all time. And Frank Robinson, such a career from being manager of the year to twice MVP to rookie of the year to 14-time All-Star, Golden Glove, batting title. The only thing he didn't have was the Triple Crown. I, I challenge people to get a more well-rounded career, considering he was manager of the year as well. And he was he's like, he's like one of those underappreciated guys. I mean, not that people don't appreciate him, but just just the scale of what he did over his lifetime is just amazing. Right, and a great ambassador for baseball, and I would say for uh, civil rights and. I'm not going to go down that road very far here tonight, but I, I'm looking for you know, people to stand up and, and make sense of it all. I think uh, Frank Robinson would have done a great job if he was still around today. All right, today was the trade hey, deadline. Uh, Paul, by the way, I just, I just looked up the – I went to baseballreference.com and I looked up that Sandy Colfax game. Yeah. And it was at the LA Coliseum, but they list the crowd as, at six, as 60,000. Mm, how do I have eighty two nine seventy four? They got sixty thousand one ninety four. Still a pretty a, big crowd. Yeah, it was a, and I'll tell you what, and, and for nineteen fifty nine, this was a long game. It took two hours and fifty four minutes. That's an eternity for a game that that long ago. Yeah. But yeah, eighteen strikeouts and two walks. Mm. Wow. So yeah, but sixty thousand. That's still a big crowd. I didn't. I I didn't think Dodger Stadium held that many. Yeah, not too many uh, stadiums did back then. 
And if they were, they were converted football fields. Uh, Detroit but, Stadium held close to that many, and it w- had a lot of bad sight lines. The old Tiger Stadium held that many? Yeah. It that, was, really? was, that, was, that place was awful. It was an awful place, I'll tell you that. So there well, was that's so, like that. They could do that in Oakland. They still oh, could yeah. do in Oakland, right? Yeah, they could. So today's tread di- deadline once again is you know who's going to make a move on this type of year, and you know some of these teams are looking like this may be our one chance for a couple years now. I'm thinking like the Padres or the Blue yeah. Jays or the Reds, um, and so I was looking up who made some trades and I'm thinking boy I didn't see a lot of big names except for the pitcher the Padres picked up um so Gene since you do your morning show do you you talk about the possibility of Padres getting Mike Clevenger from Cleveland yeah I did and I actually was surprised that Cleveland pulled the trigger on this um but I think that I think the handwriting was on the wall with Clevenger leaving town after the debacle uh when he went out with uh Sack Plesak after the game, partying, mm-hmm. and uh, lied to the team. Actually sat in a team meeting uh, when they were talking about Plesak going out, knowing that he had gone out as well, and then went on the team plane with them, and then was unapologetic about it later, basically said, what's your problem? And so you could kind of see that he may have worn out his welcome there, but, boy, when you got an arm like that, I was really surprised that they're they're locked in a division right now. They're tied for first with the White Sox and right. the, the twin the twins are right behind them. Right. So I, I was I was a little bit surprised, but I mean I understand. I it's kind of like uh, what's his name? Uh, who did the same thing uh, that they traded to the the uh, Cincinnati Reds? Trevor Bauer. Oh uh, yeah. When he, threw, when he threw the ball over the center field fence. Uh, At Royal you know, Stadium. At Rose, yeah, so they don't put up with a lot of crap in Cleveland, I guess. So I guess when Clevenger did that, I guess the handwriting was on the wall, and uh, and and they did it. But I, I I tell you what, the team that surprised me today mm. was that the Miami Marlins yes made a couple of trades. They got rid of one guy, but then they brought in uh, Starling Marte, who was perhaps the best position player traded in this entire trade deadline, and they brought him to Miami as if they're going for it. Um, so, I mean, but think about that. You're right. We didn't have the Dodgers weren't doing anything. The the Yankees didn't do anything. You know, all those names that you usually hear, the Red Sox made trades, but it wasn't to bring anybody in. They were selling everybody but me. Um, but last one off the boat. Yeah. But, but, you know, but we saw teams like the Marlins and we saw the, the, the Diamondbacks were really busy, not just getting rid of players, but bringing some in. You know, to see Oakland, uh, the Athletics, we to see San Diego. It was nice to see other teams be involved instead of those big three or four. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting just how involved some of these teams are and the sort of the risks they're taking in you know a year that. You know, I mean, I think at this point, I feel pretty confident there'll be a World Series, but still, there's going to be asterisks, and it's you know, it's kind of a, a weird year to really go all in. On, uh, on a lot of trades. But, I mean, hey, if you're the Padres, <laughs> you might as well go for it, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you, you say that, except that the Padres right now are 21-15, and 15, and outside of the Los Angeles Dodgers, they have the best record in the National League. Right, right. Well, well that's what I mean. But they've, but they've 
over years and years, they've oh. chronically underachieved. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, and the thing is too is that the other piece of this is is don't forget they expanded the playoffs this year, so now we have right. eight teams in each league making the playoffs. So now you have a lot more teams involved, and they talked about that this afternoon that they like the idea and they kind of hope it continues past this year because now at the trade deadline, instead of everybody selling except for three or four teams, now you've got more teams interested in buying. The, the Toronto Blue Jays were buying today. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, so you, you saw you saw teams that don't normally go out and get players at the deadline do that. So, I mean, I get the point. I mean, I think it is kind of exciting. I still don't know that I like them watering down the playoffs the way they have, but I mean, I get why they did it for this year, but you know, I, when you think about it in terms of how many teams were involved today, it almost kind of makes the case that maybe they should continue that. I don't know. Right. The big money teams really didn't do much, except for if you can call the Cubs a big money team. I mean, they got two relief pitchers, Andrew Chafin and Josh Osich, I think you yeah, say his name. Josh and then, yeah. and, then um, and they also got uh, a steady Eddie outfielder from the Tigers, Cameron Mabin. Um, and Maven just made a unique record. He w- he was one of the few guys that hit a home run in three different decades for the Tigers. Um, wow. So because he this is the third time he was with the Tigers over his like twelve year career or whatever like that. Um, so and they, then the other surprise is the Mets. The Mets are not a good team, no. and they picked up a catcher and an infielder and a reliever. And I'm thinking, what are they doing right now? Yeah, except again when you look at the the National League, Paul, right now, there are four teams over 500, just four. So the other four teams that are going to make the playoffs right now are either at 500 or just barely below. And you look at the Mets going into today, they're 15 and 19. They're only four games under 500. They're only two games out of a playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. So you, you would say their record's not very good, but because they've expanded the playoffs, they're right in the thick of it. Yep. Wow. That's just you know, so, so strange to me. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, it's, again, it kind of makes the case for expanding the playoffs when you have the kind of day you had today. Are you for and, it, Gene? Are you for expanding it next year? The no, I, no, I'm not. I mean, I, I, say, I, say, I say that it's made its case, but I'm still a traditionalist. You know, I had enough trouble dealing with the wild card. And I've come, I've come on, I'm okay with the wild cards now. I mean, I've gotten, you know, that, that I've gotten to the point where I like it, but... One of the things I always liked about baseball is that the percentage of teams that make the playoffs was much lower than every other professional sport. Every other professional sport is more than 50% of your teams make the playoffs. Baseball was the lone exception. Maybe baseball was wrong all along. Maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, I try not to admit that very no, often. No, no. Don't let your wife hear this. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but I'd like them to return to the way things were. But I have a feeling this might be one of those things that sticks because people are going to like what they saw today. Do you think DH I mean, is going to stick too? Yep, 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 yep. So, Eric, you're out in Houston, and the bad boy black cowboy hat wearing Houston Astros are looking <laughs> like they're going to make the playoffs again. What's the local buzz out in Houston? You know, I it's kind of funny. I haven't heard a lot of buzz or, about the uh, – about the Astros, I, I think people are just kind of in a weird place with the team. I still see plenty of people going around in Astros hats and whatnot, but um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen a lot of buzz. Like you know, my friends on on social, you know, I I I don't even see anybody talking about the games. It's kind of weird. Yeah, there's and this maybe COVID thing maybe, happening, I guess, somewhere. 
Yeah, and maybe it's because you know, maybe it's because nobody's in the seats, and maybe it's also because the Oakland Athletics are in first place and Houston's not. You know, and yeah, I think team. I think people are. I've been surprised at how good Oakland has been. Yeah, for sure. You know, I really have. But then again, you know, I was a little bit surprised that Houston didn't make any kind of moves at the trade deadline to get some pitching. You know, because they could certainly use a little bit of pitching. Yeah, they've got they've got some holes they uh, need to fill. Um, yeah, it's, it's they they were a surprise to me to not, um, especially as close as they are. Maybe they just figure they're a good playoff team, and once they get into the playoffs, which they you know surely will, um, maybe they just figure they've got what they need for a for a playoff run. Well, you know, the other piece of it is too is that because there were so many teams involved in the trade deadline today, I think the prices went sky high. Mm. Um, I really do like you notice Lance Lynn did not get traded today um, from the Texas Rangers and everybody thought Lance Lynn was a goner and he was going somewhere he didn't go which tells me that Houston I mean the Texas must have been asking an awful lot for him look at the haul that Cleveland got back for Clevenger yeah they did you know they 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 got they made out in that deal Clevenger is a great pitcher but I'll tell you what Cleveland did all right for themselves they got some really good young players that they're going to be able to control for a number of years Mm -hmm. so I think I think that might have been part of it is that the prices for teams like the Yankees and for teams like Houston where they might have wanted to add a piece the price was was going to be too high the other guy that didn't get traded today I was surprised by the way with the Yankees Clint Frazier, that young outfielder, they keep jerking up and down between the minors and the majors. Uh, they didn't move him, and everybody thought he was going to go somewhere too because he was. Everybody loved this kid, uh, but he's still in New York. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the big teams were doing, but anytime the Yankees don't do something and they fall further in the standings, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. It's we've talked about. There's a team you love to hate, Eric. Uh-huh. Your your beloved Royals got rid of Trevor Rosenthal. For two outfielders, two prospects at least, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, I you know, I, they're not the Royals aren't going anywhere. Um, so you know, I I expected them to actually be a little more active at the deadline. But you know, they uh, you know Rosenthal was was really really good for us. I'm gonna miss miss uh, seeing him out there. But uh, but uh, you know, uh, Oliveris, the guy they picked up from. Uh, the Padres looks like a really strong talent, um, you know, could could do something for us. So I think it was a good deal. Um, and there's also, I think, a player to be named later in that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I was surprised that Greg Holland didn't go. Um, Holland has had a – He's pitched uh, well. He's pitched well, yeah, yeah, in his comeback year. Well, feels like a comeback year anyway. Comeback to Royals year. <laughs> um, he uh, – you know, so I, I I fully expected him to go. They the Royals I think were probably asking a lot for him. They said that they wanted a legitimate talent, whatever that means, um, a legitimate prospect um, back for him. But yeah. So, well, I'm gonna go off the know. agenda a little bit here, just because I'm curious. And Gene is my wealth of knowledge, everything baseball. Oh boy. Do you dream baseball, Gene? Does your wife have to shake you and say it's outside? It's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I have been known to dream baseball. Yes. I. <laughs> It's a, just a little bit outside. Um, anyway, uh, what's the latest with the Mets saga? Who's going to buy them? Is A Rod really going to buy yeah, the Mets? No, no, he's nope, out. Nope. No, yep. he and he and uh, he and uh, uh, J Lo are yes. out. Yeah, they're they're out. Uh, there's a uh, a local billionaire by the name I think it's Steve Cohen, yep. uh, who almost bought them the last time, and the deal he had a deal in principle to buy them the last time, and it fell through at the last minute. 
Well, now he is back, and it looks like it's going to be him. But I was really hoping A-Rod and J-Lo would buy the team just to get him off of Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, wow. <laughs> just so I don't have to listen to him anymore. Not a fan uh, because he's a Yankee or just because? No, because he never shuts up, and it's always about him. You well, know? that's and nothing he, new. He, but, and he, but he doesn't let – you know, one of the things that I, I – he doesn't let the game breathe at all. You know, between him and Matt Vaskersian on Sunday night, if anybody was in that booth with them, they'd pass out because those two guys suck all the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just it's just it's just you can't listen to it. So I was praying that they would they would uh, win the team just so I didn't have to listen to them anymore. But so sadly, are you, are you a happen. big Bob Costas fan then? I love Bob Costas. Yeah, he's good. I love Bob Costas. He's the best. And he's in semi-retirement, um, right? Just picking the yeah. games he wants to do for MLB. Yeah, he yeah yeah he just does some. He just he cherry picks, which good for him. At his point in his career, he should. I don't think he's tall yeah. enough to cherry pick, actually. Yeah, no, you're right. He, you're, wow, he could probably bar- he could probably barely blueberry pick, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, now we're doing short jokes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's probably because the baseball joke he told at the top of the show just did not work. Flat. I, yeah, it did not work. All right, so do you want me to try another one or no? No. <laughs> well, I'll try another one. Here we go. A young okay. lady arrived at her first baseball game during the fifth inning. The score is 0-0. Zero to zero. She heard a nearby fan say, oh, good. She cooed to her boyfriend. We haven't missed a thing. Okay, going on to real baseball talk. Johnny Carson was always great when he messed up on jokes. Always good. It's because he had a studio audience to bust his chops. All you yes. got is, is that's all you got. That's all you got. All right. Now that, very kind. So manager of the year, guys, we're going to do the way too early awards. Um, I'm going to give you four top contenders, and you can pick one of the four or go off the board. So uh, based on my exhaustive research for 10 minutes on the Internet, I came up with Aaron Boone of the Yankees, Dusty Baker for the Astros, Tara Francona of the Indians, or Kevin Cash of the Rays, and a fifth choice just late coming in, David Bell for the Reds. So, Eric, you going to pick any of those five or go off the board? I'm going off the board. Boom. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick uh, Don Mattingly. Um, oh, I think the, another Yankee? I think, really? I know, I know. Sorry. Um, uh, but uh, I think, you know, that – this Marlins team is, you know, they they do not have the talent of some of the other you know teams in that division, and you know he's got them playing 500 ball. They're set to go to the playoffs, and he's somehow convinced management to to spend money. So I think uh, I think uh, Mattingly is going to be my my guy. Just just especially since they started out with such a train wreck of uh, coronavirus cases, there they've managed to hold on, and hopefully they're going to you know make things exciting. Well, Manley had the awesome swing. I remember he was so smooth, I thought. I always thought as a lefty, he had such a great swing. So. Mm-hmm. He sure did. Gene, who's your manager well, of the year way too early? Well, first of all, they give they give manager of the year in both the National League and the American League. They do. So I would it, I would agree with Eric. As a National League manager, I would I would probably say that that Manningly would be right there, but uh, my other guy in the National League would be Jace Tingler, the kid from the uh, that's managing the San Diego Padres. He's doing an unbelievable job with that team. Of course, it doesn't hurt when you have uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. But yeah. I, I think the guy doing the best job in baseball right now, hands down, Kevin Cash from the the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're t- they're 24 and 11, with with a bunch of guys you couldn't pick out of a lineup. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You that's you true. know. 
great comment. Somebody, uh, uh, Pete Abraham, who's a friend of mine who writes for the Boston Globe, said maybe the you know with having uh, Heim Bloom there now running baseball operations who came from Tampa, he said maybe people in Boston will get to a point where they root for the uniform instead of rooting for the player. Mm. I don't want that. Yeah. I want to root for the uniform, but I also want to root for the player. I don't want the Red Sox to turn into what the Rays are. Now, granted, Kevin Cash is doing more with with that he, a bunch of guys down there. He mixes and matches. I mean, he's brilliant. 24 and 11 with a bunch of guys that would not make some rosters or would be fringe players. And he's got these guys 24 and 11. So I think he is by far uh, the best manager, by far. I don't like what he does because he's the one that started the whole opener thing, which makes me want to throw up. But it works. He's making it work as much as I hate it. Well, Craig Council up in Milwaukee, is that similar, you think, of what Kevin Cash is doing? Well, he learned it from Kevin Cash. He copied him. But but it's it's similar. But, yeah, that's essentially the same thing. They took what Tampa was doing because Tampa was the ones that started it. And then Council kind of, you know, piggybacked on it. But... But it's not just the pitching staff. It's what he does with his lineup every day. He's got people in different spots every day. He just, it's amazing. Gets guys rest, and they still win. And you look at, you know, you look the fact they went up to Yankee Stadium with that lineup. And, and I know Aaron Judge was hurt. But you go up to Yankee Stadium, and they swept the Yankees in New York. Four games. <laughs> that was a good you know? weekend for you, wasn't it? Oh, yes. That, that was that was almost better than, well, no, never mind. Yeah, oh, oh, but, be careful. But, 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 that, but you go up there with that team and you sweep that Yankee team with that payroll that they have, that's phenomenal. So to me, Kevin Cash is the best manager in baseball. Nice. So no votes for Madden or for other guys? Madden's, o- Madden's overrated. Madden's overrated. There you go. Uh, Bob Melvin's done a good job, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. We have Garden Hire here in Tigerland, and I liked him when he's at the I'm Twins. I'm a fan of his. And I like I, he, yeah. the way he handles the pregame and postgame is so impressive. He's such a – you just like the guy instantly. Yep. Yep. And down to earth, and he said that, you know, if the it got too bad, he'd just retire. He's at a point of his – life it says his wife's told him hey you don't really need to do this but he just loves to do it he's a baseball man you know tried yep. and true all right let's go on to our way crazy predicting our award winners way too early and we'll get to the mvp of the national league and the american league eric you pick whatever you want out of those two. Oh uh, well let's we better go american league and Let's see. American League and what what do we have? What's on the board here? What, oh, what we... oh, I didn't give you a list. Okay, Mike Trout, of course. Francisco okay. Linder or Bregman for the Astros, I think, are the top three that I would pick out. But there's some mm-hmm. other guys that may slip in there as well. Okay, so then I'm going to go with Trout. Yeah, he's got 12 home runs, 32 RBIs, even with his... Uh, leave an absence to have his first child or his wife have the first child. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. bad. You know, but this is where, the, the for me, and we have this conversation every year, to me, this is where the rubber meets the road. He's not the most valuable player in the American League. He may be the best player 
in the American League. But he is not the most valuable. The Angels stink. That's true. <laughs> you know, the Angels are awful. So how can he be the most valuable player if your team is 12 and 23? The most valuable player to me is a guy on a winning team that is that is without him that team doesn't win. You know, so that's that's kind of my definition is when I when I I don't we don't have an award for best player, but they should. I got you. And then they sh- then they should have one for most valuable cuz by Trout is by far the best player in the American League and it's not close. Well, let me throw right. back an old comparison. Ted Williams was the best player, but a lot of times he didn't win the World Series because the Yankees were around. Uh, and so he got hit, criticized pretty tough that, you know, in the tough clutches, he wasn't winning the big one. Is that a good comparison or not, Gene? Well, it's no, uh, tell you what, a lot of t- a lot of times he would lose out to, the year he hit 400, he lost the MVP uh, to Joe DiMaggio because the Yankees won and the Red Sox didn't. Yep. You know, so it, it went back down to uh, the guy that is on the best team. It's not about, and, and to me, I, I don't think an MVP can ever be on a team that is, I mean, it doesn't have to be a team that, doesn't, you don't have to win at all, but you have to be competitive, you know, and, and to me, uh, you know, that team is not competitive. To, you know what, right now, if I've got to pick an MVP of the American League, mm-hmm. it might be Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. Abreu has been incredible. He is, he's hit, I mean, he's hitting, I think, I want to say he's hitting 310, 315, and he's got a dozen home runs. Yeah. The only, I think, you know, the only guy I think in the American League with more home runs is Nelson Cruz, who's got 13. Old uh, and, man Cruz. Well, Nelly Cruz is another guy. The only problem with Cruz is he's a designated hitter. Yep. You know, but to, to me right now, if I'm picking a, a, an MVP in the American League, it's Jose Abreu because that's that White Sox team is in first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's early, but. That's where I'd go. So if you go nationally, are you going to go to Fernando, like you've already mentioned before, Tatis? I probably would right now. Yeah, I think that's what I think. Based on what he's doing, it's hard not to. You know, yeah, although, yeah. although you know, it's uh, Mookie Betts has gotten off to a pretty good start himself. Yeah. You know, and, and that, there's probably a few guys on that Dodger team where you could go. You went, uh, you hit uh, four grand slams in one game. You get that's yeah. Let me see how well you guys know Fernando here. And uh, we're not talking to the pitcher with the Dodgers here. Fernando Tatis, how tall do you think he is? I don't think he, I think he's only 5'9", isn't he? 6'3". Oh, he looked it up. Is he that tall? 6'3". So, you know what? I think, you know what? I think I'm, think I'm, I'm thinking of Kevin Biggio is, is short. 185 pounds. That's lean. Yeah. Tall. And he's only 21 years old, which is, yeah. but Manny Machado is on that team well to help give him a little protection as well. So I think you know the Dodgers are looking better and better. I agree with you. So. I think you know I th- I just think that the Dodgers are going to stay in first place because of their pitching. You know, uh, right now the Padres they have a couple of pretty good young arms, but they don't have the pitching to stick with them long term. Right. You know, I think. You know, now, but, but again, you get them in a seven game series when you can get away with maybe having three starters, you know, and you throw guys like, look, Machado has really had a bounce back year this year. I think he's hitting like 300, you know, last, last year he had like 230, 240, something like that with the Padres. He's having a bounce back year. You know, you have those two guys in the middle of your lineup and what, what uh, Myers has been doing and some of those other guys, I'm telling you that they're going to be, 
uh, and Eric Hosmer. That's a that's a really really mm-hmm. good offensive lineup. Well, I'm going to take the next one, and we're talking about Cy Young, and I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young, but I want him to be, win the Most Valuable Player, and that's Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Clayton Kershaw has been so snake bit when he gets to the playoffs, and you can see him trying so hard, and he has such of diversity of pitches now. And the reason I really am pulling for Clayton Kershaw is that I saw him pitch in the single A league in my hometown of Midland, Michigan. And man, that ball is the first time I saw, I think somebody in person pitch over hundred miles per hour. And I was down on the first base line. And just to see that and the sound that it hit the base, the catcher's glove was so different and they pulled him after three innings, but still it was like, wow, that was amazing. And then I heard him on Dan Patrick, and I thought, man, this is a really quality guy in a lot of ways, uh, serving the public, things like that. But he's gotten so much criticism. He's gotten so close to getting there. He's always kept, I thought, his cool and showed a lot of class. So whether he wins the Cy Young or not, I'm pulling for Clay Kershaw and the in the Dodgers to win it all. But I asked you guys to do your two early predictions for Cy Young. Eric, any ideas? Uh, yeah, on the American League side, uh, I mean, Shane Bieber has been un- ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he's just I, he died. The, the Royals game I watched him pitch, it was just like, how is anybody going to hit this guy? And nobody really has. He's Sand 6 0. Spitball? <laughs> That's got to be what it is, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, I, he's got, I think he's the lowest DRA in 1. baseball. 1.35. Yeah, his his whip is point eight one. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Seventy five so, yeah, strikeouts, leads the league. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, and then on the National League side, uh, I guess I, I don't. Is it Max Fried? Yeah, it's Max Fried. Fried. Yeah, that yeah. guy has been incredible too. I mean, Darvish has uh, like a slightly lower ERA, but uh, Fried is. Um, I mean, he's you know again a sub one whip and. Uh, 1.56 ERA, 5-0 record. He's just tearing it up. Tearing it I mean, up. I, ahead, I, think, I think Bieber for sure in the American League. National League, I'll tell you what, and and uh, uh, I think Jacob DeGrom could win it again. I think he's he could right win there. Third. You know, the thing is, is with DeGrom that kills him is his bullpen is killing him. He's only 2-1 and one yeah. because every time he goes out there and he throws up zeros, he leaves the game and the, and the bullpen pukes it up. I mean, but you look at him, and, he, and his ERA is like one seven five, something like that. He's he's given up. Opponents are hitting one eighty five against him. One eighty five. His WHIP is under one. Yeah. He struck out fifty eight guys, and he's only walked nine. I mean, he's I mean, he's ridiculous. So I think he might win it again. Well, you were a big fan of him Good. last year. I remember that. And yeah. let's play trivia again. How tall do you think Jacob Degrom is? He's like six ten or something stupid. No, he's not that. He's, he's not six ten, but he's big. He's tall. Six four. Yeah, he's six tall. Five. I knew that. He went to Stetson University, not the Cologne, but the uh, place down just, south, just outside of Orlando. Yeah, made seven million dollars in two thousand nineteen. So, right. That's all. I know. So he's due for some big <laughs> paycheck. Oh boy, is he going to get paid? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh boy, I tell you what, you know, that's going to be one of those, if you're the Mets, when mm. it's time for him to get paid, what do you do? Well, this, uh, this Cohen this Cohen guy is saying, you know, what I was reading about him earlier, he is willing to spend some money if uh, it comes down to it. How does he so, make his say, money? Do you know, Eric? I don't, 
I don't. I just I actually heard it. It was on the uh, Baseball Tonight podcast I listened to this afternoon. And yeah, they were just saying this guy is just he uh, is said that he can go toe to toe with the Yankees as far as spending money goes. So. <laughs> and, and what I like about it, too, is he's a huge baseball fan. He loves yeah, it. He loves the fan. He's not doing he's he's not doing this. Uh, for, for an investment, he's doing this because he loves the game, which is which is cool. That's what you want. Yeah, yep. that's what you want. Yeah, I was just looking up to Grom. He doesn't become a free agent until 2024, but he's already signed another contract. He's going to get paid. He made tw- he made nine last year. He's making 25 this year. Nice. Well, prorated for 60 games, so he's not actually making that. Next year, he makes 35. And he Good makes he, he makes thirty five in twenty twenty two, and then he has an opt out at the end of twenty two, uh, but he'd be thirty four years old then. But he could actually opt out. Can you imagine that? I'm going to make thirty five million dollars a year, but I'm going to opt out because I think <laughs> I can get more somewhere else. <laughs> wow, crazy! Yeah, that's that's extremely unlikely. How yeah. much does yeah. he insure his arm for? I mean, if you're making that much money, I mean, if he blows out his arm. I mean, do they still have to pay him, or does he do a Lloyd of London's insurance well, I don't, policy? I know that the – well, the, no, the Mets have to pay him. If he blows his arm out and he has his contract signed, he gets paid. Oh, that's but right. The, but the teams take out insurance. All these big contracts that the teams make, mm-hmm. they take out insurance on the players so that if they get hurt, the team's only on a hook for the percentage of that. It still counts against their salary cap yeah. number, but the, but the insurance company – pays a portion of that salary. And it's a fairly sizable, uh, I want to say it might even be as much as 40%. Yeah, I was about to say, how much does a team like the Astros pay in insurance premiums every year on all these contracts? I mean, do they say, yeah, we're going to spend $8 million a year just in insurance? I mean... They might. They might. Yeah, they might. Gee, I need to be an insurance agent then or something, get a percentage <laughs> of that. All right, we've come to a point in our podcast we haven't done in a while. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Eric and I did a podcast called The Great American Man Podcast, and I allowed Eric to go on rants about (laughs) strange sports that you'd only see on CBS Sports Spectacular or the world, ABC's Wild World of Sports. If you know both of them, yeah, log rolling or all sorts of things. And Eric loves. cycling he loves running he loves endurance racing and so inspired by dan patrick and his one good minute of soccer news eric you now have five good minutes of what i call otbn which stands for other than baseball news so eric you are up well as a royals fan you can imagine how much it excites me to not have to talk about baseball (laughs) um but uh but uh you know this is this month is uh tour de france and typically that's in July. They postponed it and they moved it. Somehow they're, they've been able to, to put it on. And so it's on every morning and you can watch like four hours of cycling, um, uh, on, on NBCSN. And I got to tell you, I encourage you as soon as Gene's show is over to turn, to turn off and, uh, look, turn on to, uh, NBCSN and watch a little, uh, a little cycling. Um, it's, it's just incredible. So, so tomorrow they're going to be riding up a mountain, and what you get is all these incredible vistas. The first three hours are generally pretty tame, so they're not, you know, they're just they're going to have they're riding I think over a hundred miles tomorrow up in up into mountains, and so they're going to be taking it pretty easy in the early going. Except there'll be some. Uh, what they do is within 
within every stage of the race, every day is called a stage. Within every stage, there are, are king of the mountain points and there are sprint points. So you've got like races within the race. So there'll be a few areas where there'll be some excitement. But for the most part, it's basically a, a travel video of them riding around. They show the castles and the churches and they talk about the history of France and the history of these Are you uh, working while you're doing this? I am not. Oh, wow. Oh, while I'm watching? While I'm yeah. watching? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. boss doesn't have, listen to this podcast. So <laughs> no, no, you can, he's busy right now. Um, he's, uh, but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I just keep it on one of my side monitors. I have a triple monitor set up, so mm-hmm. I have just one going on the, on the broadcast. Um, but it's, it's, it's truly incredible and it's, it's relaxing. And then uh, you've got some stages like uh, day one, which was Monday, where it's raining and there's crashes everywhere. So it's kind of like NASCAR where you're just waiting for the crash. And when, except when this, there's a crash here, they're going 40 miles an hour on a bike and hitting pavement, you know, straight. Uh, we had, we lost several riders on, on Saturday from uh, collarbones get snapped on a regular basis oh. on the race. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a terrible story today. So uh, a Frenchman uh, won the King of the Mountain points, went into the lead today. And then somehow he was going downhill right after winning that's uh, King of, the King of the Mountain points. And uh, something happened. He ended up ramming into his team car because they have cars that go along with him. He hit his team car, broke his collarbone. So he didn't even get to put on, oh, didn't get to put on the... the the polka dot jersey, which is what the uh, uh, the king of the mountain <laughs> person wears. So, tough day. That's a tough day. That's a tough day. That's a lot of work. Um, but anyway, so you've got you know, there's three weeks of this, so uh, you know, you can. It's it's just it's like Christmas. It's Christmas three, in July usually. Three yeah, weeks. Three, three weeks of riding a hundred miles a day. So do you guys. drink wine while you watch this and like eat? you know, fancy cheeses and things like that. No, it's, it's, it starts at like six o'clock oh. in the morning. So I, I, I would need, <laughs> I would need whiskey to watch that. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's mostly coffee and coffee and Danishes. So I have I, to ask coffee. the tough question, Eric, <laughs> is it clean now? Is cycling clean? Is there, the drugs still around? Yeah, I would say that it's probably about like any other sport now. Um, where there's, I'm sure there's a few people that are doing it cleaner, uh, cleaner than it used to be. Yeah. It's, uh, much. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, compared to, you know, the Lance Armstrong area where pretty much everyone minus, you know, <laughs> a, a handful of was, was Greg LeMond a cheater? No, no, no. Greg no. LeMond. No. no general, the general thinking on him is he was not a cheater. Okay. So there's um, clean, like, you know, clean like my bathroom is right now, and then clean like my bathroom was at when I was Your in college. You know, yeah. So <laughs> it's somewhere in between there. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but uh, you should just try. Just tune in. There's even a highlight show in the evening. You can just watch that. Uh, really, it's it's one of the most incredible oh. uh, sporting events. I, I for me, I mean, obviously, I love this stuff, right. but yeah. just. But it's just like it's hours on end of sports yeah. every day. I remember day. when John Tesh used to do, you know, the whole thing for the Tour de France and wrote music for it and was so into it. And I watched some of that, and it was pretty good. Yeah, we might kind of mock that era. Oh, bit. sorry, sorry. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. All John right, Tesh. Eric, you're John five. John Tesh is the opposite of cool. Oh, sorry. 
Eric's five good minutes are up of OTBYN, but Gene, Gene's coming in, and Gene is only asking for 90 seconds. Yeah, that's all I need. 90 I, seconds. I, it's, you know, like the old 60 seconds stopwatch. That... I just I just wanted to take a, a brief minute. Uh, I know this is a show about baseball, but to recognize two things uh, about basketball that happened. Uh, number one, uh, John Thompson and passed away today, yeah. uh, coach at Georgetown University, uh, one of the classiest guys I ever met. I had a chance to interview John Thompson a couple of times uh, while he was coaching and uh, couldn't have been nicer. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to recognize his passing, uh, a guy who uh, won a national championship at Georgetown, probably should have won another one uh, the year that Villanova won it. Uh, but uh, yeah. uh, other than that, uh, he, was, uh, he was a legend down there. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to recognize was the passing of a uh, – a Connecticut great, a former UConn great, uh, Cliff Robinson, uh, who was known as Uncle Cliffy, uh, played in the NBA for 16 years with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he was only 53 years old, uh, passed away from a stroke uh, over the weekend. And uh, he was the guy that was on a the UConn team, Jim Calhoun's first team at UConn, and he was the cornerstone of building the teams that ended up getting to the national championship here uh, in Connecticut. And so he is the guy that was really uh, uh, the first great talent that Jim Calhoun had, and he, he, he parlayed that into a heck of an NBA career. So I just wanted to take a, a quick minute to recognize uh, those two guys, especially uh, especially Uncle Cliffy, because everybody here in the state of Connecticut was uh, pretty upset when they found out that he had passed away over the weekend. Right, yeah. Yeah, those that's two good examples of men who really made a difference. And uh, that's what I love about sports. You know, it's a great equalizer in a way. You're all in the same court at the same time trying to do the same thing. And the friendships you make are beyond race. They're beyond that type of thing because you're going through the fight together or the game together. Um, and so I agree. John Thompson, he's such a huge guy, and he coached the Literally. Olympic team. Yeah. Uh, and he was uh, Bill Russell's backup, I think. Uh, for a I think you're years. right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he had spent his whole life, and his son got to coach at Georgetown for a while, and now Patrick Ewing is there. Um, but yeah. what a legacy! And and just yeah. the way he he talked to about his guys, and I'd like to hear him as a commentator too. It was no nonsense commentating. He did not pull any punches. He was great. Yeah, I um, love that. Well, a lot. And you know, and uh, I I mentioned this on my show this morning. You know, bad things usually come in threes. And the other, the third thing this weekend was the passing of Chadwick Boseman yeah. uh, from the Black yeah. Panther movies, but who also played Jackie Robinson in the movie Forty Two, yeah. uh, and and did a great job in that. So it was a it was a uh, it was a tough weekend. That's actually how I started my show this morning. I was like, you guys made me need a drink after the first segment of the show, but that's kind of what we talked about this morning. And it was just uh, three uh, Chadwick Boseman, another uh, guy. He was only forty three years old, you know, and. and it just yeah, and you and when you I, I to be honest with you, I didn't know a lot about him until he passed away this weekend, and all the things you saw about him and how involved he was with kids and how he was fighting cancer the whole time he was filming all these movies, and nobody ever knew. Yeah, nobody ever knew. So, but anyway, so wait a wait for me to to bring some sunshine into the end <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. show. No, so you're welcome. <laughs> it makes you be thankful for what you got today, right? Like we well, all yeah, we all have makes, wives, and we all have families and we're blessed that way and tomorrow we have another chance to go out and do good or and watch it and watch the tour de france and watch the exactly. tour de france <laughs> um i would not want to be nice. going down that bike down that hill at 45 miles an hour uh oh they go faster than that they go they'll get up to like 
60 miles an hour. No, that would scare me, scare me to death. Yes, I've gone, I've gone like 35 on a bike down a hill, and uh, I put the brakes on. Yeah, Yeah, I put the brakes on. Yeah. Oh, I would 100. Yeah, and I, I did. Oh, I was like, oh no, no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you got your, you know, and and they got nothing on, so they're like, you know, they go down. There's they're leaving a lot of skin behind them. Long line of flesh <laughs> on the paper. Uh, on that gruesome note, we're gonna wrap up. Um, Boys of summer, we enjoy doing it. Hope you guys enjoy it. If you want to send us ideas, send it to Gene at sportscountry.net or send it to me. My email is gobluearnold at gmail.com. Um, I do two other podcasts. I might as well promote it. Pardon the confusion and um, Trumbull Dads. You can look those up on any podcast carrier. So for Gene Gums and Eric Braun, let's play two and have a good night. Mm-hmm.